Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Well, I think we've decanted for long enough. It's time to sit back and enjoy Two Sharp Reds with Mark Schwarzer and Ollie Geel. Yes, it certainly is. We have come to the end, of course, the Premier League season here on Two Sharp Reds with myself, Ollie Geel, and, of course, Australia's second favourite son. I'm going to say he's, he's just uh, leapfrog Alf Stewart from home and away this week in Mark Schwartz. So every week here on the Two Sharp Reds, we like to compare a bottle of beautiful red wine, sometimes beautiful, sometimes just whatever we can get our hands on, and compare that wine to a player past or present. And Mark, you are, you are back in London. You, you drove up and back from Manchester. Welcome uh, after what was surely a very emotional day in the blue side of Manchester. Yeah, it certainly was. I met with quite a few people actually around Manchester, ex-players, uh, Paul Dickoff, Sean Gota. Um, spoke to quite a few players, four of the players after the match in Kevin O'Broyna, uh, Sinchenko. Um, who else was it? John Stones and there's someone else. And at the moment, ah, Nathan Aki. And, uh, you know, obviously one of the questions you're going to ask them is, how emotional is it? What's it been like? You know, Aguero, Sergio Aguero, the great man, the legend, the club, this is the end of, of an era. And, and what's the emotion been like? You know, all of them gave their little, little spiel on it, but overwhelmingly everyone talks about what a great, an unbelievable player he is, um, what a humble guy he is, and what a pleasure it's been to be in the team with him. Yeah, well, I cannot wait to, to ask you all about your day. Um, but before we do that, let's just talk about our wine. Um, I think bizarrely as well, uh, we've both gone for a Shiraz, both from South Africa this week. We do. And, and, and I'm going to say, right, I, I think I've had this before, this bottle right. of wine. Um, so you've got to excuse me because I've had a, a very, very long day. I was at five, up at 5 a.m. this morning. Yeah. Um, it is now already uh, nearly 20 past one uh, sorry 20 past midnight um so it's been a long day i've just come home and we wanted to get this one in the bag because of the, the premier league season come to the end so i just went down grabbed a bottle of red and this is the one i've come up with and it's an arabella south african wine it's a shiraz i thought i could as soon as i saw shiraz i thought you know what i could do that right now because it's yeah. been such a long day a bit tired um it's from the devet uh, family. Uh, they settled in South Africa actually a long, long time ago in 1697 um, when the family was first appointed cellar master of a Dutch East India company. So a bit of history there uh, in terms of the family and its existence in South Africa. Um, so pretty cool. Uh, it's a blend of Shiraz and, oh gosh, it's not a good time to me try and try and pronounce something. Vig, Vignur, Vignur? Oh, I don't even know. Yeah. Aromas of dark berries, pepper and spice and hints of violets and licorice that complement the vanilla and mocha flavors. There we go. Mocha, mocha again. That's two weeks in a row. Something tells me it might be a new favorite flavor. Yeah, it could be. I don't mind a bit of a mocha every now and then, I have to say. Yeah. I don't mind. Yeah, Do you, a bit of mocha. I don't think I've ever seen you drink a, a coffee. I don't, I don't think I've a coffee you've seen me drink, just not, not, not have, normally you know. just a black coffee, just a black coffee normally. Okay, so my read, I've gone for the home front Shiraz. Uh, it's from a place called Pal, uh, a really warm area inland from Cape Town. Conditions are ideal for ripening a Shiraz, which is proving uh, most successful in that part of the world, Mark, uh, South Africa. Um, it's, uh, this wine is richly fruity, spicy, and with smoky oak aromas. So I say to you, as we come to the end of the Premier League season for you know this year, a big cheers to you, Mark. Cheers, mate. So uh, from a neutral's point of view, uh, I obviously had Optus Sport up and I had all the, the games on today. And it's always very stressful um, when you want to watch other games for the storyline. But as an Arsenal fan, you want to watch that, but it doesn't really mean anything. Uh, but there was, there was plenty to watch and I absolutely loved it. So let's talk about the day that you had 
in Manchester. Uh, we saw City win 5-0 against Everton. Uh, uh, let's just start from the start. How was it? Did it feel different? Because, of course, your first game back, I'm assuming, with fans. Was it the or second game? Was it my first game? No, I didn't do a game last weekend. Um here in the UK, I did some games. I did a game uh, on the Bundesliga, but I actually wasn't in the stadium and there were fans back. So the atmosphere is already different. So, yeah, massively, massively, massively different. Um, you know, it's been, we've talked about it so much about the fact of not having fans and the fact that after the initial uh, pandemic, the outbreak, football was all halted over the world and we got back to playing football. And I think everyone was just delighted the fact that people were back playing and they could support their team. Um, and then over the course of the, certainly the last couple of months, uh, it got to the point where you're just like, you know what, as much as it's been brilliant, they've been playing come on, we need fans back. The game is dying a death. It was hard for everyone um, as the season had gone on. So today, from the moment, um, I mean, I got there quite early in the day, but there was just that feeling already because obviously you know it's going to happen. You know there's 10,000 people coming to the game, but also the sheer number of people who are working at the game. So there was already a big presence of people there, so, which was certainly a lot, lot different to, to what I'd experienced throughout the most time or pretty much all the time during the pandemic. So yeah, it, it was really a sense of excitement and everyone I spoke to, uh, I mentioned earlier on in the podcast there where we began, I, I mentioned I, I caught up with uh, uh, Paul Dickoff and Sean Gota and I spoke to Paul Dickoff actually on the Optus coverage, uh, countdown the kickoff um, <clears throat> early in the morning, early, early sort of Saturday, relatively early Saturday evening Aussie time. And, you know, he was just excited again. Same thing about fans being back and it's real again. It makes it, it just gives you that little bit of extra edge. There's, a, there's accountability there. There's the raw emotions of the fans, the people there supporting the team, just the cheers of coming out. I also asked Kevin De Bruyne about it. You know, was he a little bit nervous? And he goes, he had to think about it. And he went, no, it was, it's like when you came out, it was like, it was almost like, yeah, we've been playing like this all the time. You know, so you kind of almost like, you just slip straight back into it. Sure. Whereas the other guys, everyone else I asked, whether it was Sinchenko, Nathan Aki or John Stones, they were a little bit more, uh, I, I think, kids in a candy shop almost experience of this is their first game in the Premier League and first time ever playing in front of crowds. That, that was kind of the excitement they had or they'd been out, they'd been out for so long and they're they've come back and they're playing their first game in a long, long time. And, and, and I felt like that to a large degree watching the game thought, how good is this? You know, just the feel around the stadium of people being there. Um, you would have been delighted, you know, because the, they were serving burgers. Yes. And that's yeah. the first time in, in, in over a year that you go to a football match, they're actually serving any hot did food. Did you get stuck in? We, we did go for a burger, but unfortunately yep. they'd run out of burgers so I questioned whether or not, and I asked them for a description, whether or not you'd actually been there already, sure, but they, they, yeah. they, they denied that you'd ever been there. They said strictly um, no had... one with shoulder length hair can be allowed in Manchester anyway. So they said it wasn't possible. No, no, no. Manchester's pretty, pretty open like that. I mean, I think you'd fit in oh, front pretty fringe. well. Front yeah, fringe. yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Oasis style. The thing is, right. Okay. I'll give you a verdict on the food. Bang average. And it was like, they haven't been open for over a year. And they'd forgotten how to cook a, a, a hot dog and chips. I mean, the chips were like probably, I don't know, at least 45 minutes already right. been, been cooked. And the hot dog was, honestly, it was a joke. So very, very disappointing. That but I'll, I'll excuse them. First game back, first game back, but very, very disappointing. Because normally when you go to the media room at Manchester City, it's brilliant. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, you're surely, you know, I saw on Twitter, you know, at the very least, everyone attending the game at Leicester got a bottle of water, a nice wrapped up chocolate brownie. You know, they got all that sort of stuff. So you think, come on, the way, champions. Though. That's the Leicester way, though. That, that, yeah. that, is, that is the Leicester way. They, they're very, very considerate. Um, very, very thoughtful towards their fans. Um, I think for City, you know, listen, City went out of their way. You know, they, they had all sorts of stuff at a live band, the Blossoms. Okay, don't think I know the Blossoms. I certainly don't know the Blossoms, um, but I was informed about them. Yep. They played live before the game, um, a little bit half-time and post-match as well. Um, so they, they did go, cons I mean, there were flags for the fans, all sorts yeah. of stuff. So they, went, they went out of their way and it was great. It really, really was. And I think there was an overwhelming sense of, of excitement that 
people were back again. And it just added that bit of realism yeah. into the game again. It was really cool. And, you know, if it doesn't matter, you know, you, you, if you're not, a, it doesn't matter who you support. I mean, the idea of a player that's played over 10 years at your club is an absolute legend of the game, not even just a legend at your club. He's a legend of the game. He's the, he's the highest goal scorer in the Premier League for one club. Yeah. You know, it's phenomenal. Um, and uh, that his final game at home, he's at least got, okay, normal circumstances would have been full yeah. house. It would have been incredible. About 10,000 people in this type, this climate, that's insane. And he came on and, mate, have you seen the first goal he scored? Oh, an absolute beauty. It looked like everyone. Oh. But can I ask, so this is where I'm coming from, right? When I looked at all the other games with the crowd, it felt yep. like, okay, great, crowds are back. But watching that game, certainly the second half or, you know, 60 minutes in when Aguero came on, it felt like a testimonial. Like they were hmm. smashing it and even that first goal was brilliant. But I just felt like the defenders even just were like, yeah, go on, you kick that goal, mate. Now Everton were poor. Everton were poor right from the... I mean, when I say they were poor, they were poor. City were, were up for it, proper yeah. up for it. And they... I mean, it was, it was men against boys at times. And City were just streaks ahead. And I mean, it could have been a lot, lot worse for, for uh, Everton. I mean, I don't know Everton had a penalty saved, which was great. You know, Edison, really, really good save. Um, but Everton, Jesus. I mean, that, that must be so frustrating to be an Everton fan right now at this moment in time because they've got so much ability at times and then other times they, get, they put out a performance like that and you just go, oh my God, they're a million miles away being able to get in that top flight. I mean, if you, if you compare, for example, Leicester, who's just missed out, to Everton, mm. they're, 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 I mean, they might be a million miles away from, from Manchester City, right? And, and most teams are, right? That's a bit of an unfair comparison, right? Obviously, Leicester are not a million miles away from Manchester City. I mean, they're, they're still considerable distance, but they're not a million miles. So, you know, Everton are still... You know, probably nine hundred thousand kilometers away from from uh, from Leicester City. You know, because Leicester Leicester have got a really good squad of players. Everton are a long, long way from. In fairness to them, though, it, it felt like it didn't matter who City were going to play today. It was written in the stars that they were probably going to win, and written mm. in the stars that Aguero would score. Uh, you you were spot on when he scored his first goal. It meant that he was tying with Wayne Rooney uh, for most goals scored for one club. Then he gets. Yep. One more. Uh, and I thought, geez, I tell you what, surely a hat-trick on the cards. Um, but it was looking like it. But uh, I'd love to know, do you think, and, and again, watching it on TV, we had all the stats start coming up and obviously the commentary yep. team reminding you of all these individual moments and you go, oh, my God, I just feel like I've forgotten you know, how great he is. And then, it, you know, that obviously the discussion has to come up. Is he the best Premier League striker we've had? And I, I think he has to be by very definition. It's really hard to compare. Um, obviously, he's not the leading goal scorer in the Premier League. Um, Alan Shearer holds that record. So by virtue of scoring more goals, does that make you better? I mean, listen, I, it's such a difficult one to judge players. I mean, people can't even determine who's better between Ronaldo and Messi. How are you supposed to, you know, Shearer, Aguero? I don't even think they overlapped. I'm, I'm pretty sure they didn't overlap. Overlap. Um, I just, I'd rather not try and compare them. All I'm going to say is he is in that he is in that box of being an absolute great and one of the greatest to have played in the Premier League to date, and he will be. Like he'll ever, he'll forever be in that in that category. That's how good he is. I mean, today, that, if you've not seen it, you've got to see that first goal. It is insane. Like, just, it was nonchalantly yeah. the way he scored it. It was just like, it was almost like he, he, he didn't care. Yeah. But, but then it was, wow. Yeah. It was awesome. Absolutely. I mean, I, I was fortunate enough, right? I was there today, obviously. And I was there two weeks ago when he was at Palace and he scored there. I mean, his goal against Palace was absolutely sublime. So I was very fortunate to have been in his two last games that he scored in, uh, in the Premier League. And uh, yeah, it just reminded you again, if you, if you needed reminding, it just reminded you how, how good a player he is. And funny enough, I actually said that, you know, they, they, they had all these speeches and they were going through this video montage of him. And all these famous people were, were, were giving their, their piece, their messages towards him. And funny enough, Kyle, the, the runner 
for us today. Um, he turned to me and asked me, asked me I said, do you ever score against you? And I went, oh, no, 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 never scored against me. You know, never. And, and obviously I said, well, not certainly I can't remember. You know, I'm getting a bit older, so I can't remember. And he, so I, I'm certainly didn't score against me anyway. And, and I, obviously I was joking, right? And I, and I kind of alluded to that a little bit later. And then uh, our, our producer, um, Elliot, gets on the phone and starts to look for a goal that he scored. And he straight away comes up on a BBC thing. So anyway, he clicks on it. And there's no mention of him actually scoring against me. So there's a mention he scores, but not against me. So I've obviously completely denied that he scored against me. Um, so yeah, but yeah, yeah, don't, just don't tell him. <laughs> of, course he scored against, of course he scored against me. <laughs> I was going to say, in fairness, there's only one club he hasn't scored against out of all, I think he's played against, I think it's 38 different Premier League sides. Do you know yep. which team he hasn't been no, able to score? actually. Oh, hang on. Yeah, it was the other day. I saw something the other day. I don't know. It'd be a random guess. Bolton. Oh, okay. It was a Bolton. Yeah. Right. Okay. I yeah. wouldn't have guessed that one. But I did see something the other day about that. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously um, uh, you've just got back. So I, I'm not sure if you've had the chance to hear what Pep Guardiola said after the game, but he was asked about Aguero. And it's probably fair enough to assume that from an outsider's perspective, we assume that they probably don't have maybe the closest or nurturing relationship, right? You know, it's, Probably fair enough to assume to an extent, but wow, the way he spoke, like he was in tears. He was, yeah, he was really, really emotional. And it was a side to, to Pep. I don't think I've seen before. I don't think anyone's really seen it, and and that's the thing. Um, have I actually seen it? I've not seen it, but I've heard I've heard a lot about it um, about his comments and the fact that he broke down. Um, and and Pep's really difficult to read. So, and I was talking to a whole host of fellow journalists um, prior to kickoff, Jeff Shreves, who works for, for Sky Sports, and um, uh, Martin Tyler, who's obviously a legendary commentator, and, we were, and uh, we were, uh, Manish, who worked for the BBC and works on PLP, and, and, and you, you'll see him on the Optus coverage. And we were talking about very much that relationship, and there was a lot of talk around about would Sergio Aguero even get on today? And I spoke to Sean Goater again, name dropping all. I'm going to name drop. I'm going to get it out there. I'm going to name drop this whole podcast because obviously I've been a busy day. I'll keep, I'll keep into, track. And yeah. I bumped into loads of people. And Sean Goater was saying to me, he's an ambassador of the club, been, you know, he's around the club a lot. And he said, you know what? I don't know. I think, I think his last ever appearance at the club was going to be that penalty at home, was going to be that penalty miss. Wow. He think he's there. He went, oh, I'm not really sure. The relationship, there's a lot of talk, don't really know. Pep's not into sentimental things. But then saying that, he gave Scott Carson a go, didn't he? Yeah. He, and, and that certainly is a sentimental uh, decision. So surely, surely he's going to bring him on. Uh, would he even start with him? Obviously, he didn't start with him. And Sean Goddard did say to me, if you're going to bring him on, you have to give him at least half an hour. Yeah. Because he takes a bit of time to get warmed up. If you bring him on the last 15 you're probably only going to get really five, the last five minutes of him being in the game, in the swing of the game. And he's actually right. If you watch the game, he came on with half an hour to go. And within kind of about, about 10 minutes to just over 10 minutes into the game that he was on, well, since he was on, he then started to really get involved in the game. Um, and yeah, well, I mean, what a performance. And it doesn't surprise me in one sense, but then, like I said, you, it's very difficult to read Pep at times. Yeah. Um, but he's shown he's human and he shows that he's got an emotional side. He's shown, obviously, that he... that. I mean, the thing about Pep, I think, is, is what's important is that if you think about it, there's only one player, certainly at Manchester City, since he's been at Manchester City, where there's been any open kind of feud or open falling out with someone. And that's Yaya Torre. Yeah. And he had a similar relationship yeah. with, with Pep when he was at, at Barcelona. And then when, when he was at Barcelona, I think it was also um, Zlatan had an issue with him. And Yaya Torre and Zlatan, from my understanding, were, were kind of like in bed with each other a little bit in terms of, you yeah. know, they were, like, they were friends, you know, and they hung out a bit, partners in crime. That's what I mean. I'm not trying to say anything else. Partners in crime. <laughs> you heard it um, here first. Uh, yes. Yeah. Geez. <laughs> They're just, they were friends. That's all okay. I'm saying. Okay. A bit um, like us. <laughs> yes, exactly. And uh, no one's caught us just yet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So 
he's the only player that I, I can think of that kind of it's obviously filtered down to a couple of clubs he's been at that he had a he's had a falling out with at Manchester City. Even Joe Hart. I was going to say, basically, would you consider kicked, that? No, no, because yeah. Joe Hart's never said a bad word about him. Yeah. Joe Hart's never ever had an issue. I mean, Yaya came out when he left Manchester City and criticised mm. Pep Guardiola, and to this date. From my understanding, the last time I read something about uh, about Yaya Torre is that he still hasn't heard from Manchester City. Wow. Talk about all the great players at the club. They're building statues around the stadium. Yaya Torre is never invited back to the, sta- the club. The, you don't see him at the games. We're, like today, uh, Jolyon Lescott was there, mm. you know, at the game. Uh, you know, saw him, had a, had a brief high from... It was in the little booth next to us where we were doing the interviews on the pitch. So, but... Little things like that. They 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 openly invite their ex players back, and they have mm. them there and have them a, a bit of an involvement. Um, yeah, yeah Torre is nowhere to be seen. That's really sad. Was 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 company there? He, he's sort of man no, because like, they're still playing him. They were playing this weekend in Belgium. Ah, of course. Yeah, so therefore he wouldn't have been there. I actually was wondering whether that would be the case. Yeah. Um, but uh, Noel Gallagher was there. Um, what about his brother? I didn't see him other than on the screen when he gave an, he gave an interview, which had obviously been pre-recorded. I told you I was going to name drop. So there may be a couple more coming. So it was, uh, it was a brilliant day for Manchester City, a great celebration for them and fingers crossed for their sake as well, that they've got a, another opportunity to celebrate in a week's time, which we'll get to when chatting about Champions League. But across the board, the only other real storylines were, was the top four, or at least uh, fourth place, and what was going to happen in those European spots. So we now obviously have our confirmed order. Manchester City first, Man United, Liverpool, and Chelsea. There was now, never a doubt, though. There was never a doubt, Liverpool, though, really. There, the there was never a doubt. Let's be honest. Come on. Come on. There was never a doubt, really. Let's be honest. <laughs> I can't believe it. That, honestly, in terms I'm of... I'm going to hold my hand up, right? I'm going to hold my hand up, and I yeah. said a good... I reckon a good probably two and a half months ago, three months ago, that I fancied Leicester to fall out yeah. and that Liverpool would make it. And I, 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 thought, I thought Chelsea were pretty guaranteed to, to make it. And obviously they fell away and they were very, very lucky today to, to still be in the Champions League position. So, I mean, I obviously almost got that wrong, but I actually predicted Leicester would fall away. Now I'll give you that. And I know you said that for sure, but what I'll yeah. say is third... I don't know about third. That's that's pretty, no, no, that's no, now no, turned into a pretty decent season for them. Like, yeah, see, yeah. We, when you looked at the way that the, the running that Liverpool had had, sort of yeah. like the last six or seven games or so, you kind of went, you know what? I think trying to remember which game it was. They had a that a that a that a sticky one. Sorry, it was the United game. So obviously they had the United game, and then it was kind of like okay. So after the United game, it's like all right, they've got they had a couple before that and a couple afterwards. You thought, you know what? They're on, they're on track here. And the fact that they won the United game, for me, was also the confirmation that they were going to make the top, the top four. I know they won at West Brom, you know, ridiculously by, by Allison scoring a ridiculous goal. Um, you know, and they didn't, they didn't play well at times. They made it difficult for themselves. But the one thing you can't argue about Liverpool is their fight and their grit and their determination, togetherness, you know, players haven't played particularly well throughout the course of the season. They've been incredibly unlucky with injuries, but they still managed to get it together. And that speaks volumes of, obviously, the manager, the togetherness of the team, the relationship he has with them all, because that, that is an incredible accomplishment. Even though people criticise them for a pretty lacklustre kind of defence of their title, which I think was really unfair, um, that, that commentary... Um, and on paper, you might say, yeah, maybe that's correct. But still, you know, considering what Liverpool had to face this season, yeah. I think they've done a remarkable job. So where do you think it ranks when, when you compare it to other people's, you know, I say West Ham, for example, you know, what a great season it was for them and Leeds doing so uh, well. Where, where again, do you think a struggling Liverpool side finishing third ranks amongst the best moments of the year? Well, it's, it's kind of like, it, like when you look at United um, over the course, like even last season, they, they struggled at times and then found themselves in the top four position. I think Chelsea, to be where they are this season, is, is quite remarkable. I think last season, probably even more remarkable for Chelsea, considering they had no, 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 no opportunity to buy anyone in the, in the transfer window um, because of their embargo. And then Frank doing the job he did with a mixture of youth and the existing players 
to finish in the top four, I thought was a, a top, top class uh, job. So, I mean, again, they're really difficult to compare, but I, 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 you just certainly can't underestimate what a, what a fantastic job you know, Jurgen Klopp has done this season at Liverpool against all the odds. And I, and I, I would say, better late than never, never, he got it right in the end. So he was so shit scared about playing Nat Phillips and Reese Williams together. And I think there's a combination of things. Inexperience. Nat Phillips is kind of like an old-style defender, right? Yeah. So likes the argy-bargy, likes the confrontation. He is what he is. I, I think he's, he's a very solid centre-half. Is he a Liverpool level? Whatever. You can have an argument all day long. No, he's probably not, right? But I think he's done a really, really good job. And then finally... Klopp, maybe he thought, we've got nothing to lose now. This is last chance saloon. And he went with Nat Phillips and Reese Williams, play him in their position, and then play one of the best you know, centre midfield, holding midfield players in the world, play him in his position. Yeah. And he's going to give you even more support and more cover. And once he put Fabinho back in midfield, I mean, he did it, he did it in the Champions League against Arby Leipzig away. And he, he set off for the game about having like the best holding midfield player in the world and it makes a massive difference when you're playing him in position. And the next game he went to back went you know in the league goes back and puts him back at centre half. And I'm just like, <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. Give the guys trust. Play them. You know, you've got nothing to lose. You know, your problem is you've got two centre halves or three centre halves that are out. Play those guys. That's what they're there for. That's why you didn't go and buy anyone else. And when you did go and buy uh, um, Kovac, you know, you, you're in up you're limited. Because yeah. funds are an issue. January is always a difficult one. I mean, you have to pay over the top. And he was always going to be up against it because he came from Schalke. And, and I mean, they've been battering rams for the last 12 months. So play the two young kids. And in the end, he did. And, and I think that's a combination of just running out of time, nothing to lose, realizing finally or knowing, he probably he knew beforehand, he just, he just didn't trust Nat Phillips and Reese Williams together. And for whatever reason, he decided to trust them and they've repaid him because I think they've been very, very good. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So uh, Liverpool get uh, third spot. Uh, Chelsea just sneaking in fourth uh, to get into the Champions League, which of course means someone does miss out. And unfortunately, it's Leicester. So now in hindsight, we've had a week to cool off from the FA Cup. Um, very disappointing that they miss out on Champions League, but they're still in Europe and they won an FA Cup. So I think you should yeah. be pretty happy if you're Leicester. Oh, yeah. Listen, I think winning the FA Cup, first time in the club's history, is phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. I mean, we're getting carried away, and I, I do it as well. You get carried away with Leicester because of who they are right now, the kind of players that they have, the manager they have, the facilities. And you get carried away with Leicester as they are right now. Yeah. Um, the players they've sold over the last couple of seasons. And it's, it's like at the moment, they're a, bit, they're a bit of the Dortmund of the Premier League. Yeah. You know, producing, buying, bringing these young players, giving them a platform, playing them and every year, sell one or two of them um, because they're always looking to go on the next bigger and better thing. And, and, and it may, they may have to do it again in the summer. And I'm not saying they have to do it in terms of for their own financial return, it's because the players desperately want to go on and go on to that next level. Missing out in the Champions League, I just think in terms of being classed as a, one of the big boys mm -hmm. is a big kick in the teeth. It's a, it's a, it's a real setback in that regard. In, in terms of the overall progress of the club, it's phenomenal mm -hmm. to, to have won the, won the FA Cup and narrowly miss out and qualify again to the, the Europa League. I still think it's amazing what they've done. But to get to where they want to go and maintain it and try and keep hold of these core group of players, mm. 
it's just made it that little bit tougher again. And do you think as well, when you think back to, okay, say for example, you're Jamie Vardy, right? Yep. When Arsenal wanted him after the 2016 season, he went, nah, stuff it, I've got unfinished business at Leicester. Fair enough. <laughs> Good on him. Probably made the right call. But now, do you think that if an offer like that comes along from a, another team, he's thinking, well, actually, I've kind of kind of done everything no. now. No, like, uh, Jamie Vardy's not going. I, I think that was the defining moment in his career. If he was going to go, that's when he was going to go. And it, he did... He did take a number of days to come to that decision. So he seriously did think about it. And you know what? I just think where he's come from, how quickly he's come from it, he sort of sensed a bit of loyalty. He loved yeah. the club. He, he relationship with the owners of the club. Um, he's a massive fish in a smaller pond. If he went to Arsenal, that wasn't necessarily going to be the case. Yeah. Um, and they were going to always look after him if he stayed at Leicester. And he's going to be classed as a genuine great of the club. Um, so it was a, a safer, easier decision, but I also think it was certainly the right decision. Uh, in hindsight, it's always a wonderful thing. At the time, I was a little bit like, you know what? And I think that's also because I think the vast majority of people thought, really, why wouldn't you go to Arsenal? Because everyone kind of thought that, you know, what will happen to Leicester? Will they get relegated now? Yeah. You win the league and then get relegated, you know? It was a black uh, surely. Yeah, there's... Yeah. Well, yeah, then there's no way they're going to compete with the, with, with the rest of them up there. But they're proving people wrong. Um, I, I just think this is a moment. They're in such a great position. This next season is so, so big for them. They need to, they need to finish in the Champions League position. And if they don't finish in the Champions League position, they need to win the Europa League. If they win the Europa League, obviously they qualify for it. But it's another statement then of winning mm-hmm. now the next thing. Uh, are you winning a European trophy? Obviously, it's not the Champions League, but it's the next best thing. And if they would say Leicester went on to win the, uh, the Europa League, wow. mm-hmm. that would be, you know, that would be massive. It'd be mm-hmm. massive. That'd be up, not up there winning the Premier League, but it's, it'd be up there with and very close to winning the FA Cup. So they, they struggled today in their, their efforts to try and get into that Champions League spot against Tottenham. And after the game, we saw a vision of uh, Deli Ali, Son and Kane having a big bear hug. And you thought, oh, well, that was it. That, that was the, the last we'll see of, of Kane. And I, I sort of was looking at it and thinking, I tell you what, I reckon Kane should go back to Leicester. <laughs> I started thinking about, imagine if he stayed at either Norwich or Leicester when he was on loan. He'd have about four or five trophies. <laughs> yeah, but would would he would he have become the player of the he is had he have stayed at Leicester? I don't know, but at him Leicester, and Vardy, imagine that as they start. Yeah, to... I know, but the way that Vardy came into the side, they played one up front, the wingers. I just don't know whether that would happen. I mean, I know now it looks like it would be a bit a bit amazing, but I just don't know whether that would have actually have happened. You know, that would they have become the players that they are? And, and the other thing was interesting, you see, like, obviously, um, you know, uh, Walker leaving the club, right? Mm-hmm. And then going to Man City, and I think he's, what is it, third Premier League trophy that he's won now, yeah. however many domestic cups he's won, blah, 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 and now he's in the Champions League final, um, which obviously Tottenham did a couple of years ago, got to a Champions League final. The only thing is they didn't win anything else. Um, and, then you, and then you look at Trippier, Trippier left, went to La Liga, won La Liga. Kane, I mean, he's, he's 27, 28 years old. This is the moment he has to go mm. because Tottenham are a long way off winning trophy. He's got to go. If he genuinely wants to win things, and that's all the signs, all the signs are there that he says that he wants to win things. It's, it's bigger than that. It's winning things, testing himself, becoming one of the, becoming that player like Messi, Ronaldo, being regarded as one of the greats. And there's no way he's going to do that at Spurs, unfortunately. Uh- I hope he goes to Leicester. I think. I think. No, it's not going to happen. Yeah, I think they'll sell. <clears throat> they'll sell Schmeichel, Barnes, Madison, and Ianacho. They'll get him yeah. in, and he'll and he'll. See, it's a bit it's of loyalty there. Yeah, it's an interesting one because there's been a little bit of um, bit of bit of bromance going on with De Bruyne and Kane recently in the press, mm. um, talking about how wonderful each other are and how wonderful it would be to play for you know with each other. Um, but I, you know, for some reason, I just don't see City getting him. I, I actually, I don't think City are prepared, would be prepared to pay that sort of money for a 28-year-old. No. I can see them, it, because I can't imagine Spurs wanting anything less than, say, 100 million or 80, 90 million for Kane, right? 28 years old. I, I don't know. I, 
I think they'd rather go pay 120, 130 for, for Haaland mm. than, than spend 80, 90 million on Kane. And, and that's only because of, uh, listen, Haaland's a brilliant striker, but his age as well. Yeah. I just, I, I think that's more like, I, could, I, I can actually see Kane going to a Man United. Mm. I'd love to see him at Chelsea, but I don't think that's going to happen because I don't think Spurs in a million years no. would sell him to Chelsea. So for me, the likelihood, I believe, would be that Manchester United were these destination. And, and I don't want to be too harsh on City, but do you also think as well, if they wanted to and you're Kane, yeah, okay, you're guaranteed to win something at some point, but it feels a bit like a cop-out. I think no, it's not. No, that's not no? because uh, no, because you're playing with people regarded as the best manager in the world, yeah. some of the best players in the world. But there's, you know, City are no guarantees to win everything. Like, they didn't win the Premier League last year. They didn't win the Champions League. They're in the Premier League final now. Okay, if yeah. they win that, then there's, there's a treble, right? Which is remarkable. Then it's about backing it up. You know, it, it's City are on the cusp of becoming a great team in Europe and regarded worldwide as a great team, they're, they're not there mm. domestically, certainly. And, and that's part of the process of domestically being dominant and being that, that, that big force domestically, like a Manchester United have been. And obviously they've got great, they've got a great example of it, you know, of Manchester mm. United over the years. And again, that was one of the, one of the narratives that, that, that actually that quite a few of the Manchester, Manchester City fans talked about was that, you know, looking the other side of Manchester and with envy and, and, and admiration to a degree as well about, you know, they're always winning and they're always doing this and the trophy year after year, winning the Premier League and look at us fighting for survival in whatever league we're in. To now, it's kind of like, yeah, Manchester United are up there and trying to get on their heels, but I still think they're a little bit off it. If Kane went to United, that would even things up a little bit. If Kane went to Manchester City, I think Manchester City has got the potential then to pull away again a little bit more. And you still got to go out and perform. You still got to go and deliver. And the, the truly great, great teams or clubs are judged on how well they do in Europe and how regularly they do in Europe. So if Manchester City were to win it this year, and if they don't, even if they don't win it, so they've made a final next year, if they get to the final again and then win it, and then the year after they're there or thereabouts, then people start to go, hang on, this Manchester mm. City side, this is, this is one of the biggest teams in Europe. This is one of the teams to beat in Europe. I mean, their their class is one of the teams to beat right now, but right now, you know, they're still not classed as a great. They're not classed, and they're not spoken about in the same breath as a Manchester United, as a as a as a uh, Bayern Munich, uh, you know, Real Madrid, Barcelona, Juve. They're not counted in. A, they're not classed in the same breath. So finally, from uh, match day thirty eight, uh, one of the last uh, little key moments that really you know tugged at my heartstrings, and I'm sure I'm sure you watch it. You know, I'm probably on replay, you know, as you're going to bed with your Shiraz. Your man, you know, we lo- you love him. Nuno, Espirito Santo, wave goodbye to Wolves fans for the last time. I must have um, missed that one. Yeah, I must have missed oh, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah he was looking, I think he was looking for you. He was going, well, was he? Yeah, then, where is he? Yeah, is. nah, nah. Sad, sad for him, but it'll be interesting to see what happens next year with our Wolves because he just sort of thought that... Uh, I don't know. Just thought that relationship would continue for for a little while. So now it'll you know things yeah, will, I think, will change. I think the understanding is he's he's been separated from his family during the whole pandemic. So his family's back in Portugal, and he's been in in, in Wolverhampton by him. My understanding was he's been there without his family, so yeah. by himself probably, and that's been really really tough. Um, combine that with obviously Jimenez being out. Um, being a big loss to them, not having anyone to replace him. Silver didn't re- hasn't hasn't really gelled yet. Um, still got plenty of time because he's he's so young, um, and obviously, you know, struggling at the moment with the team. You know, the team, whether it's the team needs a change, whether it's would have been a big overhaul needed to be done in the summer, whether it's the right time to do it. I, I think there's a decision that's been made that they look at it and go, you know what. For him to stay at the club, they're going to have to be quite a number of changes and it's not the time to do it because of the global situation. Um, whether they're able to get the money they think they deserve for certain players, they'll move them on, move, you know. I think the easiest decision was for him to, to part ways with their manager and to look to someone to come in and bring in maybe one or two players and, or two or three players and work with the existing core group of players. Mm. Because sometimes when you're at a club for so long that, you know, the messages don't get hurt. 
you know, heard so much anymore. They're not getting through anymore. Players switch off a little bit. And maybe, I mean, I'm not, I'm just, I'm guessing now and, I, and I'm just using my own experiences of what it's been like when you've been with a manager for a certain amount of time. Nothing seems to have changed. They seem to be getting worse. They don't seem to be getting any better. And it's not like it's just happened in the last month or two. It's been ongoing now. You know, last season was kind of the beginning of it. Won't be long, I promise. Back to Ollie and Mark in just 15 seconds. If you enjoy Two Sharp Reds, though, make sure you search The Gegen Pod wherever you get your podcasts. David Weiner is joined by thousands of games of experience both on and off the field. It's a great listen. G-E-G-E-N-P-O-D, The Gegen Pod. Okay, back to Two Sharp Reds. Half-time drinks here on the Two Sharp Reds. Mark, uh, getting late for you, but how's that Shiraz going down? It's really just relaxing, I would have thought. It's certainly um, uh, wetting the taste buds, and yep. it's going down very, very well. It's, um, it's, it's calming me nicely, and it's getting me right in the mood, you know. I have to say, it is giving me a bit of extra spring in my step. What are you trying to say? <laughs> <laughs> a spring in my step, nothing okay. else. Just Get getting you in the, the mood. Gutter. Just getting yes. you in the mood. Okay. Yes. I'm going to dim the lights in a minute. Yeah, 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 exactly. Put some Marvin Gaye on and uh, put, yeah. Hey, we'll, leave Marvin out of this, right? Leave Marvin out of this, your mate. Hey, uh, Mark, I was thinking today, um, loan players, always very frustrating for your, you know, your relegated sides, certainly, um, you know, and they'll lose, you know, a, a chunk of those. And then, you know, players that, you know, at a crossroads, so they want to go back to a parent club that not working out for whatever reason. Now, the clear, I think the clear winner of like the best loan move has been Jesse Lingard. I think that, that we feel probably quite comfortable with that. Yep. But I disagree. I, I thought, no, actually, I don't think it Who? is. Who are you I going reckon for? Joe Willick scored again today. He, yeah. he seriously has been pretty good and got Newcastle out of a lot of sticky situations. Also on the list, before you, you, you answer, obviously Jesse Lingard, Gareth Bale, and Ariola for Fulham as the better Listen, Ari- Ariola's been, been very, very good for Fulham this year. I, I actually thought he would be better. Right. Um, but not denying, I think he's done really well. But I actually thought he would do more because they also needed someone to do more. And, but... He would have had to be outstanding for Fulham to have any chance to stay in the league. And even that probably wouldn't have been enough because Fulham just weren't good enough. Um, but yeah, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a, a goalkeeper that would be interesting to see where he goes next. Yeah. So they've got an uh, option to buy at Fulham, but I don't think they will because I think he's, he's around that 10 to 15 mil mark. I, I think he's 18 million. And, right. and it's not, I don't think Fulham won't buy him because they can't afford to. I think it's more so because he, w- he won't want to yeah. play. And I think, I think it, the buyout may be only if Fulham stay up. I don't think it's a case of if, uh, if they go okay. down. And obviously they've gone down. So, yeah, which is disappointing because he, you know, he is a, a very good goalkeeper and I think um, he could be huge for Fulham, but it's not, it's not going to be the case. Um, I, I'm just trying to digest. I'm trying to work it out. I'm trying to think about, yes, Joe Willick has been very, very important, very, very influential, played a massive part. He's, he's, he's kind of, his run of goals now have come, probably half of them, debatable exactly half, so what, seven and seven he scored? Yeah. So and whether it's, I said eight and eight. So, Okay, so okay, I'll give you 50-50. Probably four of those came in defining moments in terms of the first yep. four of them played a big part in, in, in securing their safety in the league. And the rest of it was more about gaining a bit more of a gap between them and, and finishing as high as they possibly can. And actually, today they, today they accumulated one more point than Rafa ever did in any of his seasons at the club. Wow. And Rafa's regarded as an absolute legend, whereas Steve Bruce is seen as a bit of a panel leader, yeah. which is really unfair. That's amazing. Uh, I know it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So um, I'm going to disagree with you. I actually think Jesse Lingard has had a bigger impact. Um, I think he's played more games. He's probably scored the same number of goals as Joe Willick. But all of his goals have contributed heavily to West Ham finishing in a Europa League position. 
mm-hmm. whereas Joe Willick's goals, not all, not all of them have contributed directly to them staying up. Sure. Certainly to finishing as high as they did, and he's been big for them. I'm, I'm just trying to splitting hairs. I really am. But I just think Jesse Lingard, West Ham, finishing in a Europa League position um, is sensational. And you've got to think today as well, though, with Bale's efforts against Leicester, he, even his goal tally has, ends up being pretty impressive. Go, yeah, but, but, but it, the thing is, you look at the overall package and you look at, you look at Gareth Bale, you look at his age, you look at his, his pay packet, um, you, you probably look mm. at, you know, if you were to look at the deal that would need to be in place to get him, you'd get him for nothing probably from, from Real Madrid. Um, but would you be paying him uh, whatever, he, whatever he's after? Whether it's, I don't know, I, I, I think he's on three or 400,000 a week pounds. You know, obviously he's not going to get that sort of money elsewhere. Well, I don't think he's going to get that in in the Premier League. Um, certainly, his age and the performances certainly I don't believe warrant that. But say, for example, I, I don't know. So they say so they say he's asking for still two hundred thousand pounds a week. Is he worth two hundred thousand pounds a week? I, I actually don't think he is because no. he's not going to play all the games. He's not going to. Uh, he's not. He's not fit. Enough, he won't be fit enough, or won't stay fit enough to play all the games. I, I just. As much I'm a big I'm a big Gareth Bale fan. I thought he I thought he'd been unbelievable at Real Madrid. I just he just looks a shadow of himself. Yes, he has scored some goals, and he, and he scored a hat trick the other week. He scored today too. Listen, he scored. You can't deny he's not had a, had any impact, but just not enough. So finally, uh, here on uh, the last episode of the Two Shut Reds for the Premier League season, I've just got a bit of a list together and I want to uh, just pick your brains on these um, for the, the winners list. Uh, I think we did this okay. match day 38 last year. Um, we, yep. we figured out our winners and losers. So manager of the year for you, Mark Schwartzer, who is it? I, I think it has to be Pep. I, I know you can talk about Bielsa's done a great job, which he has done a fantastic, but he has spent over 120 million or 120 million pounds in the summer, right? But he's done really, really well. Um, David Moyes has done a fantastic job. Mm-hmm. I think up until losing the FA Cup final, I think Thomas Tuchel has done a, like an amazing job with it where you, you can't criticize anything. Obviously since then there's been a couple of losses today. wasn't a great performance. The FA Cup final was, a, I thought a poor Chelsea performance. But they're still in the Champions League final, you know. They're, they're def- how you define Chelsea's season, whether it's a brilliant season or whether it's just a, an expected season. So at the moment, it's an expected season to finish in the Champions League, but not to lose the FA Cup So against Leicester. So they're already below an expected league, uh, season, I suppose. But if they win the Champions League, then it's a then it's an exceptional season for them. What if uh, Solskjaer, if United win, I think, you know, that's a pretty impressive <clears throat> season then to finish second. It is, that. it is, but I still don't think you can go away from Pep. You know, winning, you know, it, it's a hard one because I'm, I'm, I'm giving you the, my prediction or giving you my manager of the season prior to two big games still to yep. be played. One, one by Man United, obviously, and the other one by, by, by Chelsea and uh, Manchester City. But at this current moment in time, if I had to give it to someone right now, I'd give it to Pep. Player of the year. Who have you got? Now, this one's a difficult one because unlike many other years, there's always been a legitimately yeah. at, at someone that you, you cannot argue with. Like, yeah, yeah. It's going to be them. And the thing is, you know, like I've seen a couple of people's selections and, you know, Harry Kane, a golden boot winner. Would I say he's player of the year? Just just, I mean, this is this is a really valid argument to have, and I don't know the answer. So you become golden boot winner. You score what is it, twenty three goals? Yep. Does that mean you're player of the season as well because you've scored that many goals? Yeah. And then obviously, then you take in consideration who else has played really well. I mean, there's a few players. Phil Foden's been been very very good, but has he been really really exceptional all the season? Has he played all the games to be? That exceptional. Certainly in the back end of the season, he's been exceptional. Kevin O'Brien, again, very, very good season. Stats are very, very good again. But doesn't really throw himself. Doesn't It doesn't jump out at me and I go, yeah, he's been absolutely brilliant. Gundogan, I think, is was brilliant. You know, January, he could have been, yeah. January, definitely. February time, I thought he was absolutely brilliant. But then again, he's kind of not at that level. 
<sighs> and then Fernandez? I, and I look at, how do you feel about him? I, I, I'm still, you know what the fun with Fernandez is? For me, he's yet to deliver against the big boys. Mm. And, and I don't care, you know, like you can play, he's, and there's no doubting his influence at Manchester United. There's no doubting his impact that he's had with that team. 100%, massive. He is so important to them. If they win the Europa League, he's going to have to play really, really well and play a big part. If he doesn't play well, I actually think they'll lose it. Right, okay. Because he's that important to them succeeding. <clears throat> um, and if he plays well, generally Pogba will play well. Mm-hmm. So if you go into that game and Fernandez doesn't play well, then Pogba doesn't play that well, then all of a sudden you've, you're, you've already got a handicap of two players. Yeah. So, you know, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a big one for them. So I can't give it to Fernandez at this moment in time, even though, I'm a, again, I'm a big fan. I mean, I don't care how many, I don't care how many penalties he scored. It still yeah. takes something to score penalties. Because yeah. if it was that easy, everyone would be doing it. And they don't. How many people hold their hand up and take a penalty? Very, very few, because it's, it's an art and it's something special. So <clears throat> who is player of the year, in my opinion? I mean, you know what? You know who comes close to me? Because of the all-round package is John Stones. Interesting. But he hasn't. But the problem is he hasn't played the like he hasn't played the vast majority of the season. It was kind of, if I remember correctly, probably the last sort of six to seven months. But I think his turnaround has been remarkable. However, so with that all that in mind, for me. It has to be, in my opinion, I'd be giving it to Ruben Diaz. Wow. Um, because I think he's been exceptional. He's been a big reason why, why City have done so well, as well as John Stones in the last six, seven months. Um, I mean, Laporte doesn't even get talked about really anymore. Yeah. Garcia, forget about it. He's going anyway. But they were desperately trying to keep old and desperately trying to play him. Forget it. Nathan Aki can't get a look in really anymore. He only, he only plays when... He's looking to rest his main players at the moment. Um, so for me, yeah, look, I, I think um, Ruben, yeah. Ruben uh, goalkeeper, of the, the, goalkeeper of the tournament. Of the tournament? What tournament? Season. Uh-huh, okay, sorry. Tournament season. Um, I should, I, this should just rattle off for me, shouldn't it? So no one's I, been good this year, clearly. No, 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 no. They have. Um, I'm just, I'm, I've got someone in mind who mm-hmm. I think is a clear winner and I'm just trying to rattle through my brain if anybody has come close to him. Um, and we can't just say Matty Ryan. I know we want to. I know we want to. <laughs> Unfortunately, as you know, Matty just hasn't played games, hasn't played enough games. Yeah, but whoa, when he has, <laughs> you ain't got to remember that. <laughs> Pass to assist um, if you don't mind. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're right. Absolutely brilliant in that regard. Maybe second. Um, we'll put him in as second then. Oh, let's do that. Yeah, I'm, I'm just... Listen, I, I know most pundits have gone Mendy. Mm-hmm. And it's a very good reason to say Mendy because I, I, I think his impact at Chelsea has been remarkable. Completely kind of left-filled. I think any, even when they bought him, everyone was like, who? Yeah. Really? Never played in Champions League football before. Never played at a big club before. How is this going to work? Um, but he's been really, really good for them. However, I, I can't not give it to Edison. You know, was it 19 clean sheets? Mm. Yeah, I, I think he's all-round game. Um, ability to give assists, his distribution... In terms of purely with the ball at his feet, the ability to find a pass, whatever pass it is, I actually don't think there's anyone on the planet as good as he is. And that that says something because I'm a massive, massive Manuel Neuer fan, right? I'm like, he is like, he shit don't stink. Yeah. But I'm saying Edison with the ball at his feet, and his ability to find a pass, whether it's a short pass, medium pass, long pass, and the, the veracity of that quick, long pass and the direction and the, the, the accuracy, I don't think there's anyone as good. Uh, so this is a two-parter, just to end things off here. 
who has been the most disappointing transfer in terms of just this has been their first season at the club. So, you know, so things can turn around. But then the second part to that question is who's showed signs that next year they're going to be a freak. Okay. I think the biggest disappointment has to be, has to be Timo Werner. As much as he has had an influence, as much as he's, you know, assists, he's still been disappointing. And, and he'll say to himself, you know, just hasn't scored the goals. He's never been in this situation before in his career to score so few goals. I mean, again, he scored today. And, and actually, he was an offside. And Timo Varner. Yeah, and that, that, was, that, was a, that was a first in a long time. that he It is weird. You look, it, it, honestly, it feels like every single time. Every, yeah. It's bizarre. Yeah. It is bizarre. And, and, and listen, I, I, I am a big fan of his because I just love his work rate. He's, he's, he, I mean, he, I think it's going to come good. I'm, I'm sure it's going to come good. And, and I was tossing up in my head about between either him and Kai Havertz. But I'm going to say because the, way I, the reason I pick uh, Timo Werner is because I actually genuinely expected more from Timo Werner. I thought he would find his goal-scoring boots. I thought he would score more goals. Whereas Kai Havertz, he's actually played probably a little bit worse than I expected. But what I kind of was used to seeing him play like in Germany, so he'd play a couple of really, really good games and then all of a sudden go missing a game. He'd float in and out of games. Yes, he'd have an influential moment, but then not enough to really justify the £89 million transfer, which is not his fault. It's just what the market allowed at that time. And he's certainly nowhere, nowhere lived up to, to the hype and the expectation. And he's had a lot of issues settling in COVID and that all has to be taken into consideration. However, the one that I thought would do a lot better and hasn't, and therefore for me is the biggest disappointment, has been Timo Werner. But it hasn't been through lack of trying and lack of effort. And I truly believe it will come good. So do you think he could be a also part two for you? And I'm a massive fan. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I do. I, I honestly believe he will be. I mean, yeah, you could go and say, well, Silver at um, Wolves has been a really big disappointment. But I haven't seen enough of him beforehand. I know he's this like wonder kid, um, but I haven't seen enough of him. Paul Pogba has been a disappointment transfer, I think, since day one that he's arrived at the club. So I'm going to give him a break this year. Yep. Um, who is there? I don't think there is anyone else, really. Like, you know, Odegaard's. No, idea, I'd say you know. party before him. I think he's been, yeah, he's been yeah. average, really. Yeah, average. I think he has as well. But again, you know, but what did you expect from party? You know, where were your levels of expectation? See, for me, Timo Werner, my expectations were right up there, right, and he's delivered there in terms of return, effort up there, and willingness and desire and just. The, you know, relentlessness to try and get back to it, but still delivering in terms of end product return there. Yeah. But I hope it works for him. And I just hope they keep, I hope they stay because there's been rumors that they looked offloading. There's even talk of possibly if Lewandowski has been heavily linked with, with Chelsea. I Imagine just can't that. see that, but I can't right. see that. Why would they go and buy, why would they go and get a guy at his stage of his career? I know he's unbelievable and he's the best striker in the world at this current moment in time, but that could, you know, yeah. that could be another year, another two years, maybe, but, and it may be enough. I don't know. I, no, I just don't think that would be the right move. Could you imagine um, how excited you'd be if you saw Lewandowski in a Chelsea outfit though? That'd get you, you know, it's one of those that. ones, isn't it? It's one of those ones. Would, would I really want to see him at Chelsea? In a lot of ways, absolutely. But on the other hand, if I then had to interview him and I came out of it, I went, jeez, oh, it didn't do it for me. Oh, How disappointing I is that? I you see. know, what a letdown that would be, you know? Or you'd get I've nervous met, I've and met fumble people. your lines as well. I've met it? people that I've had a lot of respect for and admire and thought these people are brilliant, amazing. And I've met them and come away and gone, oh, I wish I'd never met them. Mm. I just wish I'd never met them. And I wish I had this opinion of them. Now I can't undo what I know. Yeah. So I've, I've experienced that with, yeah, with, yeah. with a player. <clears throat> uh, now, I, I will, I will ju- I'm obviously talking, uh, of course, a about... Awkward. That was a bit yeah, awkward, that, wasn't it? It was awkward, wasn't it? Yeah. Mark, it's time to wrap things up. 
here on the two sharp Ritz. Um, I see you've got you've uh, had you're onto your second bottle now, or is that still the Almost. same one? Almost, okay. almost second, mate. <laughs> You'd be half asleep by now. Just... Yeah, no, I think my second win, mate. I'm, I'm really, really, you're. I, I, I'm yeah. going to get on the table and do some dancing after this. Should we just start to record next week's episode? In I think we should. You know, and just yeah. predict what will happen in the Champions League. Why not? How fun would that be? Listen to it afterwards. Yeah, nothing. Not <laughs> one prediction, correct? <laughs> oh, oh dear. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, but I've thoroughly enjoyed my my Shiraz, um, the home front red. Of course, uh, coming from Pal in the, sort of in a warmer area inland from Cape Town, conditions, of course, ideal for ripening Shiraz, which, as we know, is kicking off pretty successfully in South Africa. Uh, richly fruity, spicy with a smoky oak aroma, ripe, smooth, and warming. Um, and I, I didn't actually mention it was uh, what it should be paired with um, a chili con carne, uh, which oh, I'm yeah. assuming it would be a bit of you. And uh, just chorizo. Now that is definitely a bit of you. Mate, yes, chorizo and cheese on a board. Oh, mate. Mate, nothing, nothing. Big. And add a bit of hum on there too, right? And then you've got Yes. Me. So yeah, I've gone for a uh, Shiraz. It's the yep. Arabella uh, Estate. It's a reserve Shiraz 2015. Mm-hmm. Strong, forceful, got proper depth. Um certainly uh given me a boost obviously lots of dark berries pepper spice and hints of violet and licorice bit of uh vanilla and mocha flavors in there as well i'm not quite sure if i'm tasting that right now this moment in time however it's just it's more about the depth and the strength of this wine that i that i really like Um, particularly this late early early morning however you want to call it um and and it really it just reminded me straight away of a player that, that I witnessed, witnessed today, um, played his part in keeping clean sheet. I haven't spoken about him a lot. We did talk about him a couple of times today, goalkeeper of the year, phenomenal strength. He's just rock solid. The ability of the ball at his feet, proper depth when he wants to reach those, that, that you know, that quick pass. I mean, I, I've been blown away, but I can only dream to have played, you know, with the ball at, his, at, at my feet, and, you know, uh, a fraction as good as this guy is. Um, and uh, yeah, this, this wine just straight away reminded me of him. Um, and obviously it's Edison. What a, what a goalkeeper he's become at Manchester city. And obviously the season's not over for them. Um, deservedly got, you know, goalkeeper in terms of clean sheets, number of clean sheets this year, team, great team performance, but also the goalkeeper and today penalty save kept that extra clean sheet. Brilliant. Get away with it. Yeah. Yeah. So, of course, uh, just to, to uh, wind things up here, I had the home front red, perfect ripening, ripening conditions. So not only, not only, I'll say that again, perfect ripening conditions uh, where this uh, wine is made. And I think that this player under uh, is a city player as well. And I'll say that I think he's perfectly matched there in terms of uh, his ripening, uh, his skills and his knowledge is under the exactly right manager. And he's, he's almost, I don't think he's ripe yet but he's ripening. I think that's the key. Um, richly fruitful already at his age when you look at his um, uh, trophies, the trophy cabinet, richly fruitful. Oh, that bloody fruitful, it's ridiculous. And incredibly smooth. Uh, he's got a smooth face, uh, but he's a smooth player. Smooth on the ball. <laughs> and he's, uh, he's, uh, he's a good boy. I've gone for Phil, Phil Foden, of course. Of course. I was yeah. always going to spoil it. You know, I was always going to say, of course, it's Phil Foden. Come on, get on with it. Yeah. But I didn't. I let you get on with it. <laughs> on with but it. I let you go with it. Yeah, it was obvious. It was obvious. You just yeah. had a quick micro nap. <laughs> yeah, that was good. That was yeah. good. Yeah. No, he's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. He, was, he was good again today. Um, and I, I did kind of like, um, kind of catch up a, uh, very, very briefly with him after the game. And, and uh, yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a good kid. Very respectful. Um, and wow, what, what a future he has ahead of him. I'm, I'm excited to see him, obviously, next Saturday. Yeah. Hope he doesn't play too well. Um, sure. But then the Euros, I'm really excited about seeing him play at the Euros and how well he adapts to that next level of competition and also the extra burden of that expectation of playing in the national team. I just hope he plays him. I hope Gareth goes with it. I hope he plays a Phil Phone, Mason Mount in the, one, you know, in the same team. Um, that's, I've just reminded how excited I am for the Euros and watching people thinking that you're Gareth Southgate. You've got to, <laughs> oh, we've got to get you in that suit, mate, for sure. 
I just hope Gareth's not wearing the waistcoat. I just hope he doesn't bring the waistcoat out. Well, he needs a new, if he doesn't, he needs a new thing. So what could yeah. he have? Maybe a pocket square could be his new thing. Or... I reckon he should go the uh, Yogi Love, you know, like with the, the roll neck. Mm. Does he have to pick <laughs> his nose and, and <laughs> sniff his gear? Or... His crutch? No, nah, yeah. nah, he can get away without doing that. But I reckon yeah. he'd go for a roll neck. That'd be actually quite funny. Okay. Uh, turns oh. up every, every game for a roll with a roll neck. It'd be pretty funny. Uh, it's a very exciting time in the world of football because even though, as he said, we are, we've come to the end of the Premier League, but we've got so much to look forward to. Champions League, we've got Euros, uh, and it's all on off the sport, Mark. And it's all, of course, going to be dissected within an inch of its life right here on Two Sharp Red. So it's been a very enjoyable Premier League season. It's been a really weird season um, and, and tough for the show, you know, not being in the same place. But we've got so much football to come um, on off the sport, and I can't wait to, to chat about it with you. Yeah, and it won't be that long, you know. We'll be seeing each other, seeing each other face-to-face. You'd be just going, geez, I wish I was back in Bermuda again. Yeah. Seriously, I'd prefer to do it remotely. Why do I have to sit with you and do a show every week? Yeah, I agree. Well, certainly I have to come out to where you live. You're not coming well, to where I am. I mean, you know, listen, I think we'll be able to do it in town somewhere. Maybe yeah. in the studio. When we're uh, for Optus Sport. Reminds me, I tell you where we, want it, we should do it, on the London Eye. Because it takes yeah. 45 minutes Does to it? do a circle. Will you be able to do it on the London Eye? Well, if you'd have to, you'd have to hide the thing out yourself, though. No, I just put the tickets. No, no, no. But you have to hide the bubble out yourself because you can't have it where you've got other other people. people. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you know, the bubbles are quite big. Have you been on it? No, I haven't been. No. Yeah, it's quite big. So I think it probably holds about ten, twelve people. Okay. Well, maybe yeah. we could get a few. Get we could have a special. Musky. Yeah, with, with yeah, yeah, with those. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that could work. That could. But work. you'd have to hide. You'd have to make like res- reserve the whole bubble sure okay. that's even possible i don't even know really all right i'll look into it i'll look yeah. into it yeah all right yeah. cool well uh to again you, you enjoy uh your sleep get some rest I will. I will. uh it's been a, it's been a mighty premier league season and to celebrate i say i love you mark and uh yeah it was a very enjoyable season wasn't it it has been it's been unbelievable mate yeah, yeah. I, i've 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 really enjoyed it, and um, and uh, yeah, I love um, every much every every moment of it. I thought I just thought that after the end of the season, you'd actually, you'd tell me, like, even if you didn't mean it. I thought, so I guess when you think you know someone, but you don't. There's still time. There's still time, isn't there? Maybe at the end of the Euros, you know, a real celebration. Maybe. Well, you know, um, we get together, see each other face to face for the first yeah. time in months, maybe. Maybe. I tell you what, actually, if you tell me you love me on the London Eye, now that'd be worth the wait. That would that be worth be the wait. That could be your moment, couldn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, fingers crossed. I'm going to head to bed and dream of that. Uh, good on you, Mark. And a big okay. cheers to you. We'll leave it on that. <laughs> this is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.